All right, this afternoon for Talking Travel, our travel guide Sally Lucas has promised us something a little bit different. Sally, you'll be taking us back in time today. And it's really interesting once you go back in time to think how we travelled 40 years ago Mm. to how we travel today and the changes that have occurred during that period. It's quite fascinating. I'm sure our listeners will be sitting there ruminating over what they've done and they might just suddenly, I might be able prop their memory to think of something they've forgotten about or how they used to do it, you know. It's just, I think it'll be interesting. From a period where there actually, a time where there actually was room on an aeroplane, maybe. <laughs> yes, exactly right. <laughs> to NURFM's Talking Travel, our travel guide Sally Lucas is here, who, uh, Sally, I know you've been spending a bit of time thinking about how travel used to be. Uh, you're yes. not the only one, apparently. No, no. And I think this this was an article I was just came across in my husband's reading uh, in his accountancy practice. And it was written by a gentleman who was discussing with people whether they would retire to Europe or not. So it started him thinking about how or when he and his wife first travelled to Europe and how they did it. And I thought, well, wow, I can even go back further than that. They've gone back 40 years, but I, I first started, well, my first trip was in a plane to Canberra, (laughs) a day trip. That was my first, just started with the old Jay's travel service that used to be there when it was in Scott Street back in those days. And um, I'd only been there a few months. I was so excited to only been there a few months and get this day trip to Canberra. And after that, I did a fair star cruise to nowhere in 67 and so on, so on, on it went and did many, many educationals. But just to think back, like even in March of 68, I did an educational to Fiji, but it was on Air India. Like we had all wow, these airlines yeah. that used to fly out of Australia back then that don't fly here anymore. You know, all the European carriers used to fly here, KLM, Lufthansa, etc. So, cetera, what, et cetera. so why is that and what's changed in that space? Well, it's changed because we had... All these airlines operated independently, but they've all become under umbrellas of like world gotcha. airlines. Yeah. So they, they code share, you know, all the code share. So mm. you can still technically fly with Lufthansa, for example, but your first leg would be to Singapore or Hong Kong or Bangkok on a range of airlines, whether it be Singapore, Thai or Qantas, then you link up with Lufthansa. And it's still called a Lufthansa fare when you're looking for the fare because they have some very good fares, but you're not actually travelling. You might have an LH, which is your two-code flight number, mm. but you're travelling on someone else's plane. Gotcha. So mm. it's all changed, whereas those days were just independent. Mm. But then they decided also the other thing was, like we went through a couple of little like mini recessions or slowdowns, and they weren't getting enough money out of mm. Australia for them to fly all the way from Europe to here. British Airways is another one. You know, there was just so many airlines. And the same with shipping companies. Now that's changed again. It's turned around. But once air travel became so important or so prevalent after shipping, because when the Suez Canal was blocked, Back in the 60s with the, the ships, they you know, with the war, etc., you could only go by the Panama Canal, which was a longer route, or you could fly. So a lot of people suddenly thought, oh, well, I'll fly. But, you know, they didn't fly non-stop like we do today. You'd fly and stop in Singapore or somewhere on the way and you'd have a stopover and you'd go that way. Having said that, that is all of that, even doing that the longer way compared to now, still a lot quicker than uh, doing it by a boat. By a ship, Mark, a ship. I intentionally said boat. (laughs) I know you did. Um, But yes, like what we did, for example, much the same as this couple, that they were in their 20s and headed off and you just bought your Eurail pass that got you around Europe. You didn't have anything booked. You just went Mm. by a whim. And you'd get to the railway stations in Europe. And back in those days, they used to have these little offices that you could go to 
to get them to recommend somewhere nearby. And you always used to find it was cheaper if you stayed near the railway station. It mightn't have been as salubrious as somewhere else, but that's where you could pick up your little cheap poncionis or you know, your cheap B&B type hotels. Save a couple of bucks and use the rest for experiences. Yeah, or a lot of people joined the youth hostel. Mm. Association and did it that way, you know. So, and you know, you just you just travelled differently. And of course, you've got to remember that currency was was a real bugbear because you had all the different currencies, and you always think, oh, I'll use all that up before I move <laughs> on to the next country because I don't want to be with all this leftover mm. currency. And you only took it in the form of travellers checks. There's no credit cards. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, again, these these are these are the challenges. Well, they they were well, they the were. challenges. I mean, yeah. you might have had Amex or something like that, but you didn't have all. Not the, everybody would have had that. No, yeah. but uh, but you know, all diners. You know, they were the two big even ones less, back then. Yeah. yeah, and even less with diners. You're right. But today, like we just recently went, and uh, this gentleman mentioned the same one. We got a Wise travel card. It was recommended to us by someone whose wife was English, mm-hmm. and they use it all the time. And you can use it just like a bank account, and you don't have the fees. So, you know, that's where things have changed yeah. too, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. And you did the overland trip, as I was just mentioning off air, where a lot of people did the huge overland trip that took weeks to go all the way through Asia, Central Asia, and landed you in the UK. Or people did the Trans-Siberian more often than they do mm. now and went that way. So, yeah, it has changed dramatically. I mean, everyone nowadays wants instant gratification and wants everything to be booked and, you know, they, they'll go online and they'll research. I mean, there was no online back then. No, I mean, there was the, I guess, the couple of pamphlets and magazines that the travel agent and outside of that, yeah. you just had to learn by by your own experience or turning ba- up somewhere. Basically, or someone else that had been before you. You know, and you might get advice and then, oh, you must must go here or you must go there. And, you know, you, you'd got the cheapest, you know, youth pass if you were young. You got mm. the second class rail pass and you, you just did it on a whim. And, you know, most of the Australians ended up in Earl's Court in London. It was called Kangaroo Court because that's where they all were. And, and, but we had good reputation as workers. So a lot of people went on that working holiday if you're under 26. And um, the, we were well thought of. We were really hard workers. And I think that's changed. I, I hate saying that but I think back then we had such a high reputation of being good solid workers whereas whether you're a secretary or whatever the, the job was because they said the English were lazy and they, they didn't work as hard back then but I think that's all changed mm. I think a, a lot of not all I'm saying I can't you don't do a cross-board thing but I'm saying I think a lot of kids today like turn up at nine and finish at five whereas in our day like when I was working at Jay's you just had to stay there till the work was done. You weren't paid overtime. I'm not saying that was the right thing. I'm just saying how that's changed. Mm. So in terms of the how we did the trips versus mm. today where you've got – you can have everything planned out and mapped out, you know, exactly what you're doing versus experiencing it yourself, a little bit more free-falling, I guess. Yes. I know this is – this, it's, <laughs> What are you going to ask Which me, is better? Well, What do you prefer? At the end of the day – I still tend to travel a little bit like that anyway. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll uh, book my hire car or I'll book my rail pass and mm. I'll make sure, or whatever, you know, and I'll, yep. I'll book my, my flights. Um, it, though since COVID having said that, I have been a, a pre-booker as I did on this last trip and it was just as well because a lot of the places were already fully booked and this was only early June. So, you know, I only booked them a couple of months out and I had to be fiddle around to get, you know, what I yeah. wanted or the, the price range I wanted. doesn't mean you won't get accommodation. It's how much you're prepared to budget for your trip. And also remember, we used to carry great big heavy cameras. 
Oh, true. You know, yes. and now nearly everybody just uses their phone, except for the real photographic enthusiast who will still obviously take a camera, mm. but probably you can get even digital SLRs now smaller. Mm. You know, they're not as cumbersome as they used to be. But even when we went to um, East Africa in 2013, because we knew we were going to see a lot of wildlife, Scott took a telephoto lens. I, I couldn't even hold it steady. So to make sure he didn't miss out if a leopard was in a tree, like Mm -hmm. in the distance or something, you know. So we took three lenses and two cameras with us then because we still could have just used phones back then, but they weren't probably as advanced as they are now because that's still 10 years ago. Yeah. Could Could you imagine, though, like going back in time with a telephone now with all the phone features, the camera features, going back to someone 40 years ago and say, I know you've got a leg gear. Try this. It would blow their mind, wouldn't it? Oh, it would. It would absolutely um, blow your mind. I think, you know, we, we would have no idea that the way things have headed the way they have. Mm. You, know, you would never have imagined that you'd be using a mobile device to take a photo or, <laughs> you, think so. you know, or learn a language or whatever. Like you bought your phrase book, your Lonely Planet, or you bought your travel guide and you looked up and you're there at the restaurant thinking, well, how do I ask apps. for this? You See, know? now there's the apps, the, the translator yeah. apps. Oh, so, yeah, it's, yeah. so it's made it easier in some respects as well. It has, in some respects. Super quick one up on the roads before we keep moving. A mate on the road at Hexham right there. Truck has broken down and it's giving you some pretty ordinary delays uh, off of the Hexham Bridge right back onto Tomago Road all the way back to Tomago Aluminium. So keep that in mind if you are in the area. We'll continue with uh, more of uh, as we head back into the past with Sally Lucas on Talking Travel at 2NURFM. And Sally Lucas, our travel guide today, continuing to head back in time just a little bit, Just Sally. a little bit, yeah. Rental cars is another thing. You either love them or hate them as far as the companies are concerned. Mm. Just remember, and I'm talking now, not just now, but prior to now, take a photo of everything on the car that shows any little mark because often they'll just say there's nothing and then you get after you've checked your car in, you come home and suddenly you get a bill saying, oh, we found... Da, da, exactly. da, da. Just be very careful. But having said that, I mean, if you're happy driving on the other side of the road, most cars are, are diesel in Europe. They'll fly past you on the autobahn or whatever on these freeways at nearly 200 kilometres an hour and we're only used to doing max of 120. So you will get between points very quickly if you want to hire a car. But just be very careful with you doing that because often there's the tolls can be high as well. Um, you know, So you might get a hefty toll bill as well. So Have you seen our toll roads? They're not oh, exactly cheap. No, they're not. They're not at all. But, yeah, just keep that in mind. And also they'll always want to sell you their insurance. But if you take your insurance policy out from Australia... Normally, it will cover an excess, and you can often pay a little bit extra if you need. To, if you think you need a higher excess cover, so just incorporate it into your policy from here. Then you won't be taking out any extra insurance. Um, and you didn't do that years ago. You just travelled. Tra- Not many people hired cars. Someone would go over there, the young ones, and buy an old rundown VW <laughs> Combi or something. Buy some old heaper and then just you know, drive it till it well, dropped. Well, that's how a lot of the travel agencies or the tour operators started, mm. and they and then they took a few people with them to help cover their costs, and they become travel companies. Well, so, everyone's got to start somehow, I guess. They do. At the end of this article, anyway, how, how this gentleman ended up talking about everything and doing the comparisons and how he said, like, okay, the, the major sort of, uh, I guess, churches, uh, monuments like Eiffel, they haven't changed. They're not going to change in decades. It's still going to be there. So, you know, if you've seen them once, then I, my feeling is when you go back to Europe, 
try and get out into the countryside where you can stay at these wonderful villages where time is still like it was 40 years ago. And it's lovely to be able to do that. And you can either do that as, again, by train. And if you get to a point and then, you know, there's not a rail service within that local area, rather than be driving along the big motorways, you can just hire a car and do your little foraging out each day and do your Mm. local travel, which is a nice way of doing it as well. So at the end, he said, it was, would you retire to Europe? And he said, no, no way. Um, So it's interesting, isn't it? But the cost of living has got up exponentially, uh, particularly since the advent of the euro, but also even since COVID, I found that the cost of living has gone up yet again. So it it isn't cheap, So, but you've got a budget for that. There's Mm. no point going away and not enjoying yourself. No, you either go or you don't go, I reckon. That's exactly right. You go or you don't. Look, our own country, you know me, Mark, I speak mm-hmm. about so much of our own country. You've got enough here to keep you happy. Yeah, absolutely. So a big country. And talking about something you can do close to home. Mm, a triangle, but not the Bermuda one, a no, different triangle. a different triangle. Now, this is called the Coral Triangle. Now, they only cover a tiny portion of the world's oceans, only 0.2%, but... They're critical for humans as well because coral reefs provide food and livelihoods not for just people, but they act as barriers to coastal erosion and damage. When we had the tsunami, remember the um, the, the small islands there up around the Maldives were mm. not damaged because the big coral reef protected them. Even though they were very low-lying, mm. they, they were protected. So they're a huge important part for us. And also they're used even, coral is even used in human bone grafts. So isn't it amazing what coral wow. can do? So this area, this coral triangle is a 2.2 million square mile region that spans the Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, Papua New Guinea, the Solomon Islands and East Timor. It's known as the Amazon of the seas. So it, apparently it's quite... Um, uh, the ecosystem there is incredibly biodiverse and it's on par like with above water, the Amazon, to give you an idea. Mm. So harbouring the world's largest variety of marine animals, incredible 3,000 species of fish, as well as three quarters of all species of mollusks, like octopus, squid, giant clams, manta rays, sharks, 22 species of dolphin. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? And even the blue whale visits this part of the world as well. So why I'm mentioning it is that, just not to talk about the Coral Triangle, the residents speak more than 2,000 languages. Six countries form the borders, and it's home to 390 million people who speak, as I said, more than 2,000 languages, which is amazing. So you can do cruises to these areas now, which we couldn't do back in the past. This is where I'm heading. Yeah, we're linking it all back. Sort of this joint back. seems like, like the nexus of the universe, doesn't it? It's just... just... Oh. Crisscross of everything. It is, and it's apparently a coveted destination for sea turtle lovers as well. So it's got dugongs, it's got everything. And yes, they said that they even had the ocean depths there were there even before dinosaurs. Like it's 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 an ancient part of our, and it's very critical to our whole area. So yeah, and it used to be a series of lakes when we were sort of all like Guandana land before we all split up and carried on, and that's now been form part of this wonderful area of this coral triangle. And there are a lot of the uh, adventure-based, you know, small ship cruising companies are now going into these areas because it's the only way you can get to any of these islands, mm-hmm. uh, on these on the fringes of these islands, because there are no airports. 
Yeah, there's no real road system. So if you really want to, you know, immerse yourself in something really different and feel like you are stepping back in time from an ocean point of view, or you know, that would be a wonderful thing to do. And there, as I said, there are a lot of companies now doing that type of cruising up above Australia into those regions. Yeah, very, very off the grid, or at least in terms of how you get there, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we can still do things that might have been in the past that are still in the past and haven't changed. <laughs> but there are other things, of course, that have moved on and have changed so maybe it's a blend of both and I think it's nice that we can do both still and incorporate both and sometimes there is a nicer or quicker way of us doing it. Yeah it gives you the option. All right a bit more of talking travel on the way. The hot deals with our travel agent Sally Lucas. These are the not now. Be good if we get them in the past prices, Sally. We're not going to get that. I don't think. <laughs> I'd love to be able to do that, Mark. <laughs> Twitchman knows that'd suit Kev if I could put them back in price. As we continue talking travel for a couple of more minutes here with our travel guide, Sally Lucas, who has gone back into the past a little bit, but unfortunately, um, well, the prices, I suppose, to a certain extent, you know, the hot deals. Well, they're pro-related. I mean, yeah, yesterday's I guess prices. it's pro-rated to your salary, isn't it? We didn't earn <laughs> yeah. very much 40 years ago, did we? Oh, it kind of really is. I mean, we, you can look at something and go, why, this costs that much, but yeah, but what was the average paycheck? But you think about it back then, mm. same, same with airfares. It's all relative sometimes, though yeah. I think sometimes they did price gouge a bit after COVID, but anyway, no, that's... that doesn't happen. Never happens. That never, doesn't happen. Airlines never. wouldn't do that, would they? No. Now, this is great. This is an Indian food safari. It's a small group journey departing the 20th of February. Sold. Yeah, designed (laughs) with slow travel in mind, absolute foodie experience, um, and going to some of the best restaurants in places like Mumbai, Rajasthan, etc. So to give you an idea, it's fully escorted. You get nine nights accommodation in luxury heritage, boutique, Fort and Palace hotels, even in a luxury tented camp. So it's a mix of luxury accommodation. Mm. Um, You get your internal airfares included as required, all your ground transportation. Um, You have also an accompanying local Indian guide and escort who will be an expert on, on the areas you're going to. All entrance and sightseeing. Fees, all everything's in, in basically included. Farm tours, degustation, lunches, yeah, to Jaipur, Jodhpur, um, Mumbai. Yeah, look, it's just a wonderful itinerary if you're into food. 20th to the 29th of February, and if you want, you can extend to do a Taj Mahal and Heritage Delhi extension if you want to do that as well. So, and that would also include accommodation, all sightseeing, a car and driver, local city guides, and daily breakfast. If you book by the 31st of October, you will get an early bird discount on this, which is always nice, isn't it? If you get in oh, early, for sure, to, yeah. we all like a discount. Um, so, it only takes eight to 12 guests, which is just very personal. So I think, yeah, look, the the famous cities of the pink, pink city of Jaipur, as we said, the blue city of Jodhpur, Rajasthan, all this that you're going to learn, you're going to learn all about the and eat the fresh organic food they produce, staying in signature accommodation. So it'll be a true taste of India. So keep that one in mind. Now, Club Med have come up with an early discount for you of up to 30% off any of your holidays you've dreamed about doing for 2024 um, and covering all the areas where they have, you know, their resorts, Bali, Phuket, uh, Kani in the Maldives, Bintan Island in Indonesia, uh, Italy, Greece, uh, Spain, Morocco, 
the Dominican Republic uh, and also Cancun in Mexico. So there's some great discounts there if you're travelling between June and December next year with up to 30% off. And closer to home, Tassie, that wonderful three capes walk that you can do um, to just south of Hobart. It starts down near um, Port Arthur. Um, and they've got an offer at the moment with up to $1,000 saving per couple as long as you book by the 31st of August. And if you're wanting to go somewhere lovely in the island area, uh, Samoa, beautiful place. I mean, culture is just, with all these island places, culture is so important to them. Everything's fresh, like we've talked about the Cook Islands and so on before, but everything is beautiful and fresh. That's what's so lovely about the food in these places. You're not getting any... sure, yeah. Without using an awful word, crap, but I'll use it. You're not getting any crappy food. Um, You're getting lovely, lovely food, freshly prepared, and the people are just so warm and so welcoming. So you've got lots of deals there, starting from just under $2,000 per person, which includes your return airfare, this one, to Apia. And you're getting six nights in a garden bungalow with sea view, tropical breakfast daily, um, use of kayaks, and lots of inclusions. And you're also going out to an island, a return ferry ticket you need to get out there, but they include accommodation while you go out to the island for a night as well. And South Australia, talking food, we've got one more for the foodies. This is at a South Australia exclusive package. It's a food and wine tour with Kangaroo Island and finishing up with a lovely Murray Princess cruise. So you have a couple of nights at the Stanford Plaza in Adelaide with a breakfast and a half-day tour, three days in Kangaroo Island included. Uh, you have a night in the McLaren Vale with breakfast and dinner, which is beautiful, a night at the Novotel in the Barossa Valley, breakfast and dinner, four nights then on the um, Murray Princess, which is all meals as well. All you've got to do is put your best airfare with it. And that departs Adelaide 31st of October 2023. And that is a fabulous itinerary for anyone who's interested in food. And as we know, South Australia produces some great food. So there you go. There's plenty there to keep you tasty and toasty and <laughs> warm and whatever. Now, look, uh, we've, you've covered it all today, Sally. We've done the, the triangle, the coral triangle. We've done the food and we've reminisced a little as well. Today. We have. All right. Thanks, Sally. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>